I've always been intrigued by the stories of women who use the phrase, I just knew. You know, those women who can describe the where and the when, down to the weather, what they were wearing, maybe even the song on the radio, all like it happened just yesterday. The common element in each story is that at some point, intuition kicked in, and these women move forward through the beauty and battles of their lives, no longer looking to meet expectations, but instead in alignment with what was right for them in life, love, careers, relationships, and everything in between. My name is Kelly, and you're listening to The Moment She Knew Podcasts where guests share stories around their own moments of knowing. I wanted to start this podcast to create a space for mentorship and support for all of us as we move through the beauty and battles of our own lives. I believe that through storytelling, we create community and connection. And that is my vision for the Moment She Knew podcast and group. When you need support through your own moments, we will be here sending collective compassion, cheering you on, and most of all, helping you build trust in your own intuition to guide you without apology. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you will enjoy the podcast. And if you do, please like and subscribe and share it with your friends. On today's episode, we're speaking with Joanna Shipley, who is joining us from Shrivenham, Wiltshire in the United Kingdom. Her story will evolve around the moment she knew that her quest to join the British military was not only going to be about her desire to become a commissioned officer. One simple question during that interview created the synchronicities that led her to meet her spirit animal and guides and begin the practice of shamanism. Thank you for listening in. Let's get started. Welcome, Joanna, to the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here with us, and I'm really excited for you to share your story about how you came to live in the space and in the way that you do now, which is really connected to yourself spiritually and to your angels and spirits and your guides. It's such a fascinating story, and I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. It's just so, one, what a, who doesn't love to talk about themselves for a while? So what an opportunity. <laughs> yeah, that, you know what, that's true. And especially, I think someone like yourself who has such an interesting um, genre, so to speak, in life by which you live by, it's something I think that so many of us, including myself, are are looking for, I can feel that there is something outside of my physical self that can help me move through difficult times or help me make decisions. And I know that right now, how you're living is, is really all about that. So I would love to start, I would love to start at the beginning of your life's journey, but you know, we only have so much time, but I think the thing that really connected with me when you and I talked previously was the fact that you had somehow made the decision that you would um, join the army. And I know you talked about an interview that was quite pivotal, pivotal, excuse me, uh, in that there was a question that the interviewer asked you. So can you uh, maybe start with that? What made you decide to join the army and then bring us to the moment in that interview when that 
question was asked and what it triggered in you. Okay, um, yeah, it's not a maybe not a typical path to um, connecting with spirit and, and all that is beyond the physical, but um, I was really fed up in a corporate job. I was yeah. happened to be in PR and marketing and I've got this nice kind of future mapped out in front of me and it really didn't suit me. I didn't understand that back then. I was on that whole kind of achievement, just on the treadmill of all mm -hmm. getting a career, doing well, carrying on, being a, a good girl. And I had an autoimmune crash that just utterly derailed me. And wow. I started to think, you know, is there something else? And by some weird happenstance, um, I ended up exploring the army. I joined the, um, what's now the reserve army, just as something to do to meet people as I was in a new area. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, let's go and have a look at that. And I went along to this um, sort of two, three days in, in Wiltshire in England and spent this time being tested on all sorts of things you know being tested on my ability to lead and to discuss um, politics and to problem solve and to do sort of assault courses and behave myself mm -hmm. and I got to the end of those three days and they were really inspiring actually I met some amazing people and um, right at the end as you just referred to this um, colonel leaned over the desk towards me at the end of all the interviews and he asked this question and it absolutely pivoted my life at that moment and the more I've thought about it since our conversation the more I realized how fundamental it is but he leaned across and he looked at me with his eyes sparkling and he said what makes your heart sing oh I love that and in that moment I was utterly unprepared for a question like that and at the same time I knew it was huge and I also knew I didn't entirely know the answer. Yeah. And I sort of found my way around an answer. And I think I probably talked about going traveling and, and that sort of thing. Certainly didn't talk about succeeding on a career ladder or anything mm -hmm. like that. And it really got me thinking. So he then leaned over the desk and added to it, like, if that wasn't good enough. And then he said, and what makes your spirit sore? No, he didn't. He did. He so absolutely, you know, this military guy in full uniform, the That's works utterly unbelievable I, I didn't hear that part of the story you didn't share that with me before I was gobsmacked before that someone who's being interviewed for the army would ask about your heart and now to find out that he also asked about your spirit it's like who mm. who is that person I mean I've been on tons of interviews just for normal jobs and no one in an interview has ever said what makes your heart sing what makes your spirit soar uh, and and i just i wanted to tell you as well that i heard you say that you had an autoimmune crash and i'm thinking who has an autoimmune crash and then thinks joining the army is <laughs> gonna help with something like that like the two just don't go together but there was something definitely at work there to get you to move into that space to think about joining the army to sit in front of that man and i love it because in that moment like you said something stirred in you and so it's not like that moment happened and then boom, you went off in an entire other direction. So carry on with your awesome story from there because I just love it. Well, thank you. I mean, it was an incredible question and still is an incredible yes. question. 
and you know what's not to love so they offered me a place and I, I i went and actually now as i work with people this is something i tell them to follow all the time but when i got that letter of acceptance to become yes. an army officer the whole of the inside of me smiled it didn't make logical sense i was pretty much a pacifist i don't even quite know how it came together i love being outdoors i love being with nature yeah. i love people who get people so that's kind of what happened and there was the possibility of travel so off i went and um i went to the royal military academy of sandhurst where they do officer training for a year and went through the whole kind mm -hmm. of locker layout ironing knickers into four inch squares you know playing the whole kind yeah. of military thing but they had stirred that question and it was a really physical course a very mentally challenging course Yes. And there was chapel, there was sort of spirit, but I just felt there was something more and I had to go and explore. So whilst all the other army officers were disappearing, when we sort of got to the stage where we, we were allowed out, um, they'd disappear off down to the pub on a Sunday night. I would sneak out and not tell anyone where I was going. And I certainly wouldn't have told them where I had been mm -hmm. and went off to go and find a spiritualist church and <laughs> went to listen to platform mediums communicating with dear old dead great aunt ethel or whoever yeah. just trying to find is there some evidence of something beyond the practical because mm -hmm. the left side of my brain needs to know it can't be all woo and flaky i need some evidence and that's the path i pursued for a while it didn't fit me totally but it gave me enough of a hook to think there's more there's more there's more and that's what i pursued and even to the extent that i did a, a couple of spiritualist um, residential courses and I had an experience where I communicated with someone's dead relative that I had never met and wow. I got enough very focused information on that one time I could do it to make me think there is really something, something here because I knew nothing about this guy and I'm getting specifics yeah. so it really was great to have that chance to explore some evidence and yes. and sneak out and lead this kind of secret life <laughs> probably it was probably um one of the things that kept you motivated to continue your exploration but i wanted to ask you prior to your meeting that gentleman in your interview in the military when he asked you about your heart and your spirit and then you decided to not go to the pub which probably was a hard thing to do but seek out some of the spiritual questions that you had and look for some answers prior to that um, in your formative years and your growing up and in your young adult life, did you follow any particular doctrine or religion or was this something completely new for you? Um, this was sort of new. As a child, I was um, brought up Church of England by semi-agnostic parents, which kind of do the Christmas and Easter church thing. Mm -hmm. But I went to Catholic schools um just okay. by circumstance and i was always the protestant that could never quite go to heaven because i wasn't oh. a catholic and <laughs> there were lots of sort of overtones and lots of guilt but actually i think looking way back to kind of when i was about seven or eight i used to very open-heartedly pray to jesus and really feel that connection and used to sit you know like a very good girl sit and pray and feel terribly bad about all the naughty things i've done which really weren't that naughty at all but mm -hmm. i kind of had this acceptance that this god whatever the word might be outside right. of me could infiltrate my entire life and then mm. i utterly rejected it as a teenager i remember the moment i rejected it and it it 
um, my sort of life in a way fell apart because all the morals I've been brought up on fell apart and I had to find mm -hmm. my own way and almost became quite kind of atheist, nihilistic, what's the point, and um, pursued that for a while. So this was quite quite a turnaround, but mm. I think I'd, I'd got a bit more curious in my 20s about maybe there is something more. My mind was open a bit more. Once right, I sort of right. Yeah, early. makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in fact, sorry, Tom. I, I was going to ask, so what was the first time like for you when you went into the spiritual church? I'm assuming you hadn't been in one before and that was your first time. How was there anything that stirred in you or felt familiar or was it um, just a brand new experience altogether? Hmm. I think the fact that it was a church of some sort was mildly reassuring because it was mm -hmm. familiar. So mm -hmm. I had the confidence to go there, not knowing anything about it, but assuming a church would welcome a newcomer because most churches do. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it was obviously different from a Catholic ceremony. So I think I just sat there quietly, mumbled along a bit with the hymns that I didn't know and, and then watched and watched it take a very different form as the medium went up on the platform and then mm. started communicating. And I didn't get messages early on, but it was it was intriguing. Definitely. Mm -hmm. It was intriguing. Like I say, not my path for long, but a really validating stepping stone on okay, yes, there's something yes. worth exploring beyond this. Was there anyone at that particular um, church that you felt could mentor you or that you felt a connection with to help you move forward even more? Um, interesting question. Um, I didn't meet a specific person but they had things called psychic development circles and you could go along okay. and have a go at trying to develop your psychic skills and I to be honest I don't think I was particularly gifted I got a few things that seemed to land and some things mm -hmm. that didn't but I I really enjoyed the process but it kept me exploring and I think from that point onwards I started hanging out in um kind of spiritual bookshops and there was one in a, right. a small town near where my parents lived that I'd kind of go and spend some time in and I think that's where I started to hear about shamanism first of all and mm -hmm. I'd kind of explored a couple of other new agey maybe um, more guided visualization type things mm -hmm. um, but it didn't feel quite grounded enough and I was really intrigued by shamanism. I didn't quite know what it was. It sounded interesting. This sort of idea that it was something we've all evolved from was appealing. Um, so I thought I'd give it a go and booked myself on a workshop. So that was really how I then came around to what it is that I, I do now, I guess. But it was yes. all those little stepping stones, following the breadcrumbs. You know, I think we often think exactly. we're going to find the whole rest of our life. What's right? the purpose of our life? And it's just a breadcrumb at the time yeah. and does it feel good does it feel right and then you can look back on it in mm -hmm. hindsight and, see and i love that because you know i i sometimes worry that um women feel pressured that there has to be like a moment and then forward movement but sometimes the reality is just like in your story and in many parts of my own there isn't just one huge moment there are little moments like you know the universe is setting up these synchronicity stepping stones i call them like giving you the little hints and it's not until 
your intuition kicks that door down that you start to pay attention and following them. And I wonder if, um, when I'm hearing your story and from when we spoke previously, I think it was it seven years that you remained in the military whilst you were, uh, going on this journey of discovery and it, I'm trying to wrap my head around, they seem so opposite in my mind, mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, to the in the military, you know, I have this vision of aggression and fighting and seeking the enemy and outsmarting them and sabotage and spying and et cetera, et cetera, which seems so opposite of what you were doing on your off time. So did you change how you worked or did one influence the other in any way or did you feel like you were living two separate lives um it's so interesting isn't it there is that aspect of the military and of course there is um you know its whole point and purpose is 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 really about that but equally it's an organization that mostly really gets people and mm -hmm. I was surprised to find how much compassion there is within the military. Now, there'll be people who didn't have that experience, but in the main, having worked in different corporate environments, the way that they got people, the way they understand people um, is, is really inspiring. And I think that kept me there a long time. And when I went to do this shamanic workshop, um, that I was just embarking on out of curiosity, you know, talking about these stepping stones, as you've just called them, it, that was the next step. And when I turned up, the guy running it was an ex-Vietnam veteran, uh, ex-military policeman. Wow. And that just was like, a, oh, relax. It's okay. We've got this. It's grounded. He gets where I'm from. Yeah. He accepted me sort of as military, didn't make a thing about it, but it was mm -hmm. just like underneath there was this, acceptance that it was okay to be in the military and be in this circle and I think that gave me confidence to go back into the military and I did keep it separate because mm -hmm. it's not easy to talk about these things especially when we're unsure within ourselves mm -hmm. I think the more confident we are within ourselves the easier mm -hmm. it is to talk about but when we're exploring and on the edge and it's pushing our own levels of well what can I accept and not accept it's really mm -hmm. hard to explain it to us yeah I, I can see that for sure and um, what about your personal life where were you during that period of time and um, did you share any of your seeking and searching with anyone in your life or was it something that you kept closed to lip about except for the circles that you were joining um i had a couple of good friends in the mess i lived in um who kind of knew me and <laughs> tolerated my foibles so that was that was fine <laughs> and when i started to do the shamanic work i mean that really did change my life when i had my first mm. shamanic journey and i think i shared with you about kind of i missed all the how to i arrived late because there'd been an accident on the way and i just arrived and it was lie down you're going on a journey you're going to meet your power animal and i just had this incredible experience that just mm -hmm. changed my life and i remember apart from feeling like i had utterly arrived home and this is what my life had been missing for the previous 27 years mm -hmm. i had this experience of shape shifting into this animal and i kid you not and it sounds slightly mad and I'm aware it does but I could touch my face and it was furry 
and I was lying on the floor of this mm -hmm. sort of building on the outskirts of London, touching my face, thinking, I have fur and yeah. I'm about 10 foot tall. And it, it, what really changed it was the help of the help, the healing and the information I got as well. It wasn't mm -hmm. just an escapist experience. It was that the experience was beautiful and the information that I could then go forward mm -hmm. even into, you know, how do I carry on in the army believing what I believe? I could get that information from my power animal and from the spirit teachers I then met. So it was so easy mm -hmm. to weave a very practical spirituality into my everyday life. So I didn't have to tell people, hey, this is what I'm doing. Right. I would just make decisions within my working environment that were spirit informed and yeah. not have to tell anyone. And it gave me you know, they basically very early on said leave yeah. the army. It took me three years to find the confidence to do that. But in that time, I decided that the very next boyfriend that I had was going to have to hear about this because it had become <laughs> such a big part of my life. I couldn't just when sort is of the appropriate it. time to bring that up, right? <laughs> and I went for the very first meeting. <laughs> I thought, I'm not, I'm not, no dance. If he's going to run out the door at the sound of this, That's I need it. to know. Put your cards on the table, find out right away. But you know, I want to circle back to what you were saying around on your way to that class, mm -hmm. you came upon an accident which made you late before the class. So what I found interesting was the portion of the class that you missed by coming upon that accident really meant you had to just start and jump in. So what did you ever find out, or maybe you know now, what was the preamble sort of thing that you yeah. missed? Because how I think about it, and you know, people who might be skeptical might think that when you're there for the preamble, maybe there's some sort of suggestive hypnosis thing that's happening so what I love about your story is that you missed all that you kind of got there and had to lay down and think okay here I go and you had that experience and you know for me listening in I I feel for myself that that almost makes it more valid because as I understand it's not like you took a pill or drank some potion or anything it really was yeah. you were just in that room in that energy and opened yourself to it and that's where it led you but what was it like how would it normally happen what did you miss in the beginning of that class yeah um well I missed all the head stuff you know I think this catches us out in our culture I missed all the instruction and the how-tos and all the chance for my own head to go, but what about mm -hmm. this? And mm -hmm. to overthink and overanalyze. And I was told, just lie down, you're going on a journey. He had enough time to say, you're gonna start from a place in nature you know, I'm gonna drum, you're looking for a tunnel to go down into the lower world. And it's kind right. of like using your imagination, just go with it. Mm -hmm. And so that was that. I didn't have time to ask questions. No, yeah, but, but, you know, it was down there. There were 30 people in the class or whatever. It's just lie down, shut up, get on with it. Right. <laughs> so that was perfect because there was no pre-programming, no kind of, well, he said this and that's what I saw. Mm -hmm. So therefore, did I make it up? And it was such, I, I cannot describe really other than 
I know Eckhart Tolle uses this idea of um, people who talk about honey but have never tasted it. I, I have never got the instruction about what honey should taste like. I just laid down and got to taste it. And it was oh, such I a full body that. experience. Yeah, it was so every single sense perception in my body was involved. You know, I could smell where I was, mm. feel, touch, hear. And it was really powerful. And I think for me, having my head out of the equation was perfect. And I often think, you know, there's this native um, saying that the longest journey in life is from our head to our heart. And it, this just bypassed my head and went straight to my heart. Really. Absolutely. And when you were laying there, um, how, I know you said you felt like you had fur, you could feel like you were 10 foot tall. I'm just imagining Bigfoot or Sasquatch as we call him. Mm -hmm. um, but for you, was that still you or were you taking on the form of maybe an angel or one of your spirit guides? Like, how did you um, interpret this and digest it? <laughs> well, I think what happened was I met my, I guess for want of a better word, my power animal, my animal ally helper. And we had this moment before this happened where I met him and I really felt more loved than I ever felt like totally understood like I was so home and so it was so possible to have this instant trust and I mean curiously I'd met two or three other animals on this mm. experience that did not feel like that this was kind mm. of the one and then we we had this experience of hanging out together and i think at some point he must have suggested or made this merging happen mm. so that he and i in this experience became one and that's when i it was perfect for me you know not everyone has this experience on their mm -hmm. first shamanic journey nor needs to but mm -hmm. for me it was again looking for evidence as mad as this can be you know feeling my face and feeling it was an animal's face this animal mm. was so powerful and as you say no drugs <laughs> nothing weird just a drum banging yes. you know a very rhythmic monotonous yeah. beat mm -hmm. that was it and um i just want to take a pause for a moment because i think it's probably um to get a little bit technical, so to speak, important for myself and the listeners to really understand what shaman and shamanism means. If you could give us um, a brief introduction. Absolutely. That. That's, yeah. And all the bit I missed basically on this, this <laughs> workshop. So like me, you're in at the same deep end. I was. <laughs> so um, shamanism is well, it's an anthropologist's sort of use of a word that comes from the Avinki peoples in, in an area of, of Siberia. Um, so it's not an international word, but it's a word that they've used to kind of denote the person whose responsibility it was in an indigenous community to okay. commune with the spirits and to bring the help, the healing, the power, the advice back to his or her community. So the shaman basically was the person the word literally kind of means the person of power the one who knows and it was their job to interface between these two entirely different 
worlds of the ordinary mm. reality and this sort of very non-ordinary spirit reality and using different i mean the bit i love about it is using different techniques the mm -hmm. shaman in any community has the same role to send his or her spirit out into the spirit realm to negotiate with the spirits on behalf of his and her people and to bring back messages and healing and I think what's phenomenal for me and probably for most people is the fact that across the entire globe we all develop the same way of working and not only the same method roughly but also the same understanding that there is an upper world that the shaman can travel up to and a lower world so when you're looking at drums from the sami peoples up in scandinavia when you're talking about the world tree when you're looking at um, some native american art depicting the different worlds you can see very clearly this upper world and this lower world and some communities have an understanding of the so-called middle world where spirits kind of hang out in our realm if you like so you know back to well where's the evidence of this that was really reassuring to me that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. before we could communicate across the globe we were all doing the same thing we'd all kind of found the same spiritual truth in our different ways and the way that i work with it and have been taught to work with it is a kind of non-cultural version so it's not misappropriating ways okay. of working from different cultures at the same time, you know, it's just as valid to go and work with a particular culture if that's what speaks to you. But this way is very sort of universal. It was kind of pulled together by an anthropologist, mm -hmm. but it still has power. And I see that every mm -hmm. single day in the people I work with. And that's mm -hmm. that's really what matters. So even though in indigenous communities, there would have been one person who had this role, I kind of think in our community, things have shifted. We're not born mm -hmm. into very small geographically localized communities. But those of us that are drawn to this work can certainly work with ourselves, first of all. I always think, you know, physician heal thyself, but yeah. then go out and work with the people in your tribe, in your community, the people that you connect with and, and see, yes. but get, you know, get some good grounded training first so you know what mm. you're about. But mm -hmm. most people, in my experience, are able to do this if they're interested. So it, what really, I, I find it really, I don't know if the word is spiritual or inspiring maybe to think, and I just learned this from you, that, you know, before people could really connect with one another, like different cultures and groups around the globe, this thing was happening anyways. And it was something that united them. And I, I'm wondering if you think that it had anything to do with nature and being outside and you know in, in my mind i imagine you know ancestors centuries ago from all over the globe i i think they lived more outside than we do today and i feel like whether you seek it or not when you find yourself in nature there is something that touches you emotionally physically spiritually and do you think that that is maybe one of the reasons that all of these people and groups and cultures who didn't know of each other were all practicing something similar mm, I, i'm so glad you brought nature into it because this is a, a big part of it so 
I think there is definitely, um, it's much easier for us to connect with the spirit mm. outside of ourselves when we are in nature. Mm-hmm. Nature hasn't had the same cultural overload that we are programmed with. And when Ooh, we're in nature, I, I think we kind of come back more to our essential selves and our essential truth. And that is a great way oh, to start. Yeah. If I was Oprah, um, I'd be saying that's a tweetable moment right there. Nature has not <laughs> had the, how did you put it? Has not had the cultural um, influence. Something like that. The cultural that we have as people, but that's so good. There, It doesn't have you know, that nature versus nurture thing. It's just nature. It's always nature and that's it. Mm. That's. And I think awesome. if you know if you've ever spent time out in nature and actually back to the army one of the things you do get to do on exercise is go and live out in woods and you're mm-hmm. not using light and you're lying on the ground and but this being in nature is really restorative and renewing to us and you know there are studies now that, that show this yeah. and uh, yeah but also all forms of shamanism are animistic And what that means is it's the felt understanding. It's not like a head knowledge. It's the felt experience that everything has a spirit. So the tree that was your favorite tree when you were a kid has a spirit. The mountain that you grow up near has Mm -hmm. a spirit. And Mm -hmm. this is what the native peoples would have worked with. Whatever their cultural, Mm -hmm. um, whatever their geography was in their area, they would have worked with the spirits of the land and the spirits of nature there and when we work this way one of the first things we do is go and out in nature and work with nature this way and also Mm. the starting jumping off point for every journey is a place in nature that you know and that's really grounding and nature is also somewhere where I send people out to go and find power and it's a very thorny word but most of Mm -hmm. us have lost power at some point in our lives Mm-hmm. And nature doesn't have a power over or a power of giving away thing. It's just what it is. A tree is just a tree. Mm-hmm. It doesn't pretend to be a small tree when it's not to fit in with the rest of the forest. Mm-hmm. It's just a tree. Right. And that can be really restorative to go and align ourselves with somewhere in nature that can help oh, replenish yeah. Yeah. that energy. Absolutely. I can, I can see that for sure. And when you say that you know the mountain can have a spirit the grass can have a spirit the stone or the pebble you come upon can have a spirit is that the reason why i've heard some people when they talk about their spirit guides um i always assume the spirit guide was in in the image of a human or a person but i'm learning that for some people it's an animal or an object or is that am i getting close is that why your spirit might be it it might well be i remember one guy i was working with and he'd had this incredible journey he'd gone down to the lower world to meet his first spirit helper and he'd explored this landscape and he came back and he said i just didn't meet anyone Mm. And as he went on to explain about all these things that didn't happen to him on this journey, he started talking about, you know, but there was this twig and this twig was telling me where to go and what to do. And anyway, you know, now we've had Fantastic Beasts and films like that. Imagining a a twig as a companion is not so strange, but he had this, this part of the tree really needed to help him. And they had this beautiful relationship and he got 
amazing help and healing mm. and insight from this this um, tree being this tree spirit but a lot of people will have um, teachers spirit teachers in human form i my understanding is that there are ancestral spirits of people that want to work with us i certainly know from my mm. own spirit helpers um, that they have come back in to or, or sort of stayed in a sort of human form to mm. communicate because they want to teach something from that perspective yeah but they yeah. can be animal they can be they can e even be um mythological creatures so wow. who knows how spirit chooses to speak to us but i right. do wholeheartedly believe we get the form and the energy <coughs> of the spirit <coughs> excuse me that we most need that is okay. just right for us and I, 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 I mean, I could talk to you all day about this, as you know, but do your spirit guides change over time or, or are we born with set spirit guides and that's, those are the only ones you ever have and it's up to us as individuals to try and connect with them? Mm, that's a great question. So, um, <clears throat> there's a mix in my experience i think okay. there are these helpers that are kind of around with us from birth <laughs> and i guess we can all probably think of people we know whose houses are stock full of one particular type of animal they absolutely love or another you know mm -hmm. i think i told you last time about my son's teacher who has a house full of frogs mm -hmm. and i'd put money on if she were to do this she would find that her helper might just be that frog yeah, and so they show up Oh, that's interesting. So maybe they do show up, even if you're not intentionally looking. Mm. And I wonder how, and maybe, I mean, you've helped so many people move through this journey. Have you had people go through this and then say to you, oh my goodness, that's why I love flamingos so much or something, you know, or yeah. You feel uh, can, like for me, elephants, I mean, uh, I'm not born somewhere we would have elephants, but my whole life I have felt um, just thinking about elephants, I feel mm. secure and safe and like part of something. And, you know, maybe if I went on this journey with you, which I plan to do, I might find out that an elephant is my spirit guide you might do and at the same time back to auto suggestion sometimes that really isn't the case as well so okay. the only way to know is to give it a go and see what happens and again looking for evidence you know the buddha said don't practice buddhism if it doesn't work for you go meditate go try it go see if it works and then with your practice and that experience decide if it's for you and i think it's the same with this path go Go ask for help to be a better mother. Go ask for help to heal your relationship mm -hmm. with great uncle Fred. Go ask for insight into what's the next career move for me mm -hmm. and see whether the information you're given adds to the quality of your life and whether the experience of being in that relationship with your spirit helper, and it is a relationship. So, you know, back to, does it change over time? Every relationship changes over time, of course, as we get to know each other. So maybe that quality of being in that relationship in itself is something that you really value. Go give it a go and see if it makes a difference. And then 
then you get to know and that will give you the evidence to start developing mm -hmm. at least for most of us it's this way around to start developing trust because when you start to yeah. get insights or when you're told about things that have yet to happen mm -hmm. and then they happen exactly the way you were shown mm -hmm. or something falls into place and you realize oh my god that's what my spirit teacher mm -hmm. told me three months ago that's when that's you'll so really true. start to a connection that's meaningful and Do you know you ever um come upon a time where a relationship with one of your spirit guides ends i mean lovingly it's just you know the purpose you served for one another has ended and you move on from one another with love and kindness in your heart does mm. that happen i think I can certainly think of a couple of occasions when that's happened. It might be temporary. It might be that I was once uh, that I'd kind of, for want of a better word, because I don't like this linear idea of evolving in a certain way, but yeah, that I'd yeah. kind of graduated, if you like, and got a, a spirit teacher that was ready for the next step. I think it okay. was less about levels and more about appropriateness. I needed mm somebody that was more appropriate to how I was living my life and how things have shifted. And I think that that's not unusual, but I'm talking over years and years and yeah, years, yeah. not, not changing every journey. There's right, definitely right. relationships. So and every now and then they'll all pop back, you know, it's like, yeah, oh. awesome. like have a potluck party or something. Right? Yeah. We're all here we'll out together. Um, Usually when I need to hear something that I'm not paying attention to, they're all there going, come on, there. wake up. Um, now, if I was to say to you, do you consider yourself a shaman? Is, is that correct? Or is it that you mm. practice shamanism? Is there a distinction between the two? Yeah, um, I think I was taught beautifully by my kind of human mentor, um, mm -hmm. who really came from his heart, comes from his heart. And he talks about this very early on in our kind of shamanic career, for want of a better word. But I think the term shaman is gifted you by your community. You don't decide you are a shaman. It's the people you work with who get to make that distinction. Yeah. And how important are labels anyway? They're a useful frame of reference. There's a whole ego dance we do around them. I have never publicly called myself a shaman. I know mm -hmm. some people do, and that's for them and their spirit helpers mm. to decide what's right. But I've always gone by what my spirits have told me. I am spirit led when I work with other people mm -hmm. and I do the work. And yeah, I call okay. myself, if people ask a shamanic, I call myself a shamanic teacher or a shamanic okay. That makes sense. And I, I really like that you mentioned ego because that, that, actually segues nicely into my next question because this shift and pivot that you made in in your life to open yourself up to this world was there ever a struggle with um the ego now i i believe that the ego is that part of ourselves that doesn't like change it wants the status quo it doesn't matter if the status quo means you feel unfulfilled or you might feel depressed because the ego feels safe knowing what to expect and it will try its hardest to talk you out of going in a different direction 
Um, did that happen to you or was it just, you just kept going forward and there were no little voices? Oh, there are plenty of little voices. Mm. And, um, you know, even recently, about a year ago, I was doing a healing for somebody and I'm fairly, you know, a friend of mine nicknamed me the secret shaman because she had no idea about what I did. And I, you know, I look, you can see I'm just wearing ordinary clothes. I don't look different from most people. And so I was doing this healing and I was in my shamanic room doing this healing with this guy and partway through my spirit helpers say, right now, I want you to put on this. And they, they outlined this headdress and these certain tools to wear which are part of a particular culture that I'm not from and I ended up having this kind of dialogue in my head with them not letting this person know but eventually I had to do what they say you know the only power in this work comes from the spirits and if I say no and I don't do what they are telling me to do I am rejecting the power of that healing and that's not my place I'm there so I end up putting all this stuff on and thinking this guy's going to open his eyes soon and see that I look like this loon. <laughs> anyway, so I went ahead and did it and I was dressed. I mean, I, I, I really don't want to, I won't say which culture because I don't want to disrespect, yeah. disrespect yeah. the culture. It's just that this spirit teacher that works with me is from this culture and that's what okay. he needed me to do. So I went with it, but actually it was perfect. It was exactly when I did the work the way that this teacher wanted that this guy then sat up grinning now he hadn't he said that is the first time I've smiled in five months he was had been seriously depressed for a long long time oh. and I think it was because I managed despite doing a bit of a battle and a dance with it to get my <laughs> ego out of the way and say right just trust and go with it but did that that mean anything to that gentleman? Was he from that culture or was he no. thinking about it or it was just no. something that brought him humor and I, joy in that moment? I don't know that it was humor. He wasn't smiling at me. It was when my spirit teacher got me to remove the energy that was causing the dysfunction, if you mm -hmm. like, the, the depression. Mm. That was the moment. And as I connected with his body to remove that bit of the energy with my spirit teacher taking it away that's when he grinned he didn't have his eyes open mm. he kind of sat up and that was that moment so it was really powerful because i could see what was going on at a spirit yeah. perspective and i could see that the energy shifted and at that moment was when he grinned and i think if i hadn't have allowed myself to do what my spirits needed to happen in that moment, that would not mm -hmm. have happened. Mm -hmm. but who knows? But I think whenever we do this work, we're a kind of vessel and the spirits can only work with the quality of the vessel they have. Mm -hmm. And so it's up to us to do our own work on our own ego yeah. all the way through. You can find in any walk of life examples mm -hmm. of people who are too grand or too small because of the ego. And it's a human plight to have this ego dance and we have in my personal opinion we have to work with it acknowledge it and shift it and we can use mm -hmm. so many different ways to work with that as well as asking our spirits to help us mm -hmm. so i'm imagining you in the course of a day are your spirit guides talking to you all day long all day long or do you have to ask them first and then they answer? 
Mm. Or do you have these, you know, voices playing in your head all day long? And do they wake you up at night? (laughs) (laughs) So when I did this mediumship exploration, there were kind of spooks in the bedroom at 3 a.m. And that freaked the hell out of me. I must admit, Mm. I wasn't made for that sort of stuff. Me and horror movies don't get on. And my mind would just go to the worst possible explanation. What I love about this work is you meet your spirits when you do a shamanic journey. And the rest of the time, I'm just Joanna going about my normal daily business. I don't have constant input from my spirit guides. I make a focused, um, intended communication with them. Mm -hmm. Um, Using the drums, that's another way to help my ego get out of the way. Um, And there are some other methods I can check in. What recently fell into place in the last sort of two, three years is starting to understand that mm-hmm. our bodies and our hearts are accessing the same wisdom in a different level. So now oh. by using my heart and my body as a kind of a guide to what's right and really learning how to listen to my heart, which mm-hmm. most of us mm-hmm. don't know how to do because we're taught to use our heads so much in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we can get in touch with our heart and really hear those messages, they have always been congruent with my spirit. So now kind of mm-hmm. on a day-to-day level, I use my heart and when I want that real deep connection with my spirits, that's mm-hmm. what I can ask. Now I I have a couple more questions for you <laughs> um, before we give everyone your information because I'm sure everyone's like, how do I connect with Joanna? How do I find out who my spirit guides are? I recall you talking about a story when um I can't remember the full frame of where you were, what you were doing, but one of your spirit guides came in and told you you needed to write a dissertation or <laughs> yeah. Remind me about that story. That was, I mean, that was awesome really. Um, so it's a really practical <clears throat> connection with spirit as well. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, you can have these amazingly ecstatic, altered state of consciousness experiences and you can go and get really practical help with you know <clears throat> how do I decorate my sitting room in a way I'm going to love for years or whatever you know really yeah. practical day-to-day stuff they always help and I'd gone to ask with my third year at university <clears throat> where I was um, studying as a homeopath uh, to what on earth should I write my dissertation on I have no idea and I really want to do it on something that, that matters it's important mm-hmm. and So that's what I did. I went on this journey and they gave me the outline of this dissertation. And they said, you'll struggle to get it through the ethics committee at university because of the nature of it. So they said, just go along and keep smiling. So I went along to this discussion about the ethics committee and everything that was going to be taken forward to the ethics committee was brought in. And I didn't know what to say, but I just did as I was told. And I sat there grinning haplessly like a loon. And I think they must have taken pity on me because I look I just look so mad, I think. But anyway, they said, yes, that's fine. Go ahead with it. We'll allow it. And I did the work that my spirits had given me to do. And I then sat down and I wrote 55,000 words in two days. I handed it in and it came back with a starred burst. And it was exactly what my spirits had told me to write. And it was... 55,000 words in two days. Did you sleep? Yeah. Uh, I did. I think there were a few hours. I was just sort of 
yeah, and some of it was collating research and putting it all in there, but I hadn't started to put it together. And by the end of that two days, it was there with the annexes. And it's a thick document, you know, I've still Amazing. got it. And, but it what was it on? Like, what was it on? You have to tell us. What was it on? Can you It tell was us? on looking at the interface of shamanism and homeopathy. Okay. So using the shamanic journey as a way to understand the curative powers of a remedy mm. and was that valid in any way and they got me to do it as a um, randomized controlled trial which there's a whole story around that so um, it was an interesting thing I mean it fascinated me I had help everything fell into place everything flowed all along the way mm -hmm. and then just an example of how very practical this level of communication is you know it really mm -hmm. can be down to the nuts and bolts of something like the work that you're doing mm -hmm. so when did you know that it was time to leave the army and mm. follow this path what was that moment or moments for you so that was before university um, they very early on told me to leave the army twice I attempted and failed and the third time I kept the courage going long enough to make it through the lengthy process of leaving and they did it by taking me i asked them what you know what should my next career be what should i do mm -hmm. instead and they took me into this library and there was this shelf with loads of books on and one of them was this big red volume of a book called who's who i don't know if you have that over your neck of the woods but it's a british book showing you all the sort of important ancestrally important people mm -hmm. i guess the lords and ladies and people of power the establishment and anyway i probably wouldn't belong in there normally but <laughs> in this shamanic journey there i was we kept you know went through the pages till we got to my name and it said joanna shipley and it said homeopath writer and explorer and i turned to my spirit teacher and i said what's a homeopath never heard of it you know what is a homeopath he said go find out so that's what i left the army to do and since then i don't think i've ever stopped exploring you know mm -hmm. this is the domain and the realm i explore and it's interface with our ordinary reality and i guess now i've started writing a lot more i'm in the process of writing a book i write blogs you know sporadically I, i'm not the, a great author but i do write and i explore so it was all there 20 years ago and well uh, you have so much to put into a book i i I can't wait for it to come out. That's for sure. And I'm wondering, you saw your name in that who's who book. Um, was it actually there or was that a moment created by spirit? So if you went back to that book today, would your name be there with homeopathy? No, I don't, I don't know. It'd be interesting to go back, but that was yeah. just in the shamanic journey. It was that's in this amazing. altered state of consciousness. That's where they took mm -hmm. me into this room. I am beyond grateful that you are with us here today. And I feel like we have to continue this conversation. Mm -hmm. So I hope you'll come back. 
Um, I know for myself and people who are listening, they're going to want to know how they can get in touch with you, Joanna. So if you could share with us um, how we might be able to reach you if we have some more questions about your journey or we'd like to know how we can make use of your um, gifts and services to help us connect with our own spirit guides and how mm. to live a more connected life, uh, that would be amazing okay well thank you and i would love to come back and, and show so whatever's happy. needed <laughs> down the line but um i've got a website joannashipley.co.uk and there i have a private facebook group for those that want to play a little i do quite a lot of free offerings and things to try to give people a taste because it's great to be able to dip your toe in the water first and that's mm -hmm. um heart and spirit circle on facebook but you can find it if you go onto joannashipley.co.uk or email me help at joannashipley.co.uk okay. and i will answer that's awesome. And I'll make sure that we have your bio in the show notes, along with all of your contact information as well. And um, I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for sharing your time with me today. I know there's quite the time difference in the UK. So it's uh, nighttime for you now. And um, I just want to mm -hmm. say thank you again. And I can't wait until we can chat more because there's lots to discover and learn from you thank you so much for having me and for you know speaking to me both times and um it's just fantastic isn't it that we can speak this way online and learn all this way of working online too thanks kelly such, such a new world Thank you so much for choosing to share your time with us today. Remember, you can find information on how to connect with our guests in the show notes. Please like and subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends about it. And if you want to stay in touch between episodes, find us on Instagram at the moment she knew underscore podcast and on Facebook, the moment she knew. Please join us again next week for another episode. And until then, be safe, well, and happy. Bye for now.